The following program is furnished by The Truth About Your Future, LLC. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station. This information is education and not financial advice. Consult a financial advisor before investing. The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman is brought to you by Bitwise, the world's largest crypto index fund manager. And by Global X ETFs, dedicated to providing investors with unexplored and intelligent solutions. And by Invesco QQQ, a fund that allows you to access the innovators of the NASDAQ 100. And by Edelman Financial Engines. Rick Edelman is a board member, consultant, shareholder, and client of EFE. But EFE is unaffiliated and has no say over the content of The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman. This is where technology, innovation, and personal finance come together. This is the truth about your future with Rick Edelman. And now your host, Rick Edelman. And a very happy Independence Day holiday weekend, my favorite holiday of the year. Welcome to the truth about your future. I'm Rick Edelman. On today's show, student debt, home sales, plunging, life post-career, innovation, the Fed, and this week's health and wellness segment by my wife, Jean Edelman. One of the big political footballs these days is in the category of student loan debt. $1.6 trillion is the total amount of money that people owe, and we're talking 43 million people are in debt to student loans. Repayments were suspended way back in March of 2020 due to the pandemic government had the attitude, you're home in a lockdown, you lost your job or you can't go to work, you don't have a paycheck, let's make life easier for you. We're going to stop the requirement that you make your monthly student loan payments. That moratorium has been extended time after time after time and now is extended all the way to August 31st. I'm not so sure people are still in lockdown anymore. I'm still not sure people are out of work anymore, but they still don't have to pay their student loan payments 8% of all the people, which said 43 million of them, 8% owe 40% of all the student loan debt. So there's a huge concentration. How could that be? Well, they're mostly grad students, people who got MBAs or medical degree, law degree, engineering degree. That's where the big student debt comes into place. 60% of all the people who have student loans owe less than 20 grand. So we need to recognize that this issue of letting people not make their student loan payments or Joe Biden's proposal of let's forgive $10,000 of it or Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren who want us to forgive $50,000 of it, they're simply saying if you're a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, you don't have to pay for college again. This is like an incredibly unfair situation. But it gets really, really deeper than this because in addition to student loan debt, 70% of those people have other debt as well, like a credit card or an auto loan. So when the president comes along with a proposal to forgive $10,000 or these other Democrats encouraging him to cancel $50,000 of student loan debt, it's astonishingly unfair. What if you didn't go to college because you couldn't afford it? You're not getting 10 grand from the government. What if you chose to go to a cheaper college so that you could avoid having to get into debt? Other people went to the more expensive college and incurred the debt. You're not going to get any money back, but they will. So they're getting rewarded for their bad economic choice. What if you paid cash to go to college? You were fortunate enough to be well off enough 
that you were able to do that or your parents were able to do it for you. You're not getting any money back because you didn't incur a federal student debt. What if you did incur debt, but you've paid it off? Too bad. You're a sucker. You're not getting any money back. What if you got into debt elsewhere? You didn't get a student loan debt. You got a mortgage debt. Too bad. You still owe the money on your mortgage. You're not going to get any money back from the government. What if you got an extra job to pay for college and you really scripted and sacrificed in order to manage to come up with the money you needed for tuition? Too bad. You did all that hard work for nothing. You could have just sat back and let the government ultimately write you a check. This is why it is so controversial and, quite frankly, astonishing that the government would be sending the very wrong message to Americans everywhere. Oh, and by the way, this whole idea of debt cancellation, it might be illegal. The president might not have the executive authority to just wipe away the student loans. These loans are being managed by loan servicing companies. The money was provided in many cases by investors. If you wipe out the debt, you eliminate the business of these student loan servicing companies. You wipe out the ability for the investors to ever get their money back. Guess who's going to sue the federal government if the president tries to waive the $10,000 he says he's going to forgive. We're going to have to wait and see. But when you have even the New York Times publishing an editorial saying that canceling student debt is bad policy, if even the New York Times says that, you know that really this is a bad policy. You see, the real issue here isn't the student loan debt. The real issue, if we get right down to it, is the cost of going to college in the first place. That's the problem we need to fix. And by the way, college enrollment is down 5% over the past three years. It's down 40% since 2010. People are saying college is too expensive, the debt isn't worth obtaining, and I'm going to figure out how to make money, get a job, build a career without the burden of wasting six years and a couple of hundred thousand dollars on a degree that isn't serving my best interests. This whole situation has gotten so bizarre, so crazy, that it's even affecting the absurdity levels of being a professor at college. UCLA, one of the most famous colleges in the country, is looking for an assistant adjunct professor. The requirements are that you have a PhD in chemistry or biochemistry, a strong teaching record at the college level, and three letters of recommendation. But the job posting also says there is no salary. Yeah, it says, quote, applicants must understand there will be no compensation for this position. UCLA has 26 faculty positions where they make no money. These folks are literally teaching for free. Every college seemingly around this country has faculty that aren't getting paid. I remember when I was teaching at Georgetown University, I was paid 600 bucks per semester. That's pretty much virtually free. 600 bucks for four months worth of work? Why would I do that? Why would anybody be willing to work for free? A, in the hopes of building the resume and credibility and being able to say, hey, look, I was a faculty member over there. And I brag about that. I was on the faculty at Georgetown University for nine years. Number two, 
hope that one day I will get a tenured position with pay and benefits and pension benefits with a great university. So people are willing to work for free. It looks to me like the university system is exploiting these individuals, tricking them, manipulating them into work for free, while at the same time charging higher tuition rates than ever to the students, forcing the students into debt that the government now says, eh, don't worry about it, we're not going to make you pay it off. We have a problem with our higher education system. Forgiving student loan debt is not the problem we need to be solving. You're listening to The Truth About Your Future. I'm very excited to bring back onto the program my good friend, Sunaina Tutasia. Sunaina is the Chief Innovation Officer of the Federal Reserve System. Wait, what? Innovation? The Fed? Really? But Sunaina, innovation, central bank, isn't that an oxymoron? <laughs> um, Rick, it's like you read my mind when I first got the call about this role about a year ago. I first thought it was one of our Bitcoin friends pulling some sort of a prank on me. <laughs> So, you know, I definitely give the Fed a lot of credit. They are bringing in a diversity of perspectives and experiences to level up innovation within the Federal Reserve System, I think is a pretty solid signal. And it's frankly very reassuring because technology is growing at a very aggressive pace, as we know broadly, and within the fintech space. I mean, you and I have been working together for many years, Ray. We've been on stage together in front of a couple of thousand people. Talk about why the Fed reached out to you to focus on innovation. I have spent uh, pretty much my entire career at the nexus of tech, finance, and policy. You know, I've been super grateful to have had really awesome assignments leading change and innovation at this nexus, both in North America, but also in Asia. The common denominator for me, Rick, has always been, you know, how are we purposefully harnessing the power of these frontier technologies, AI, machine learning, DLT, you name it, but how are we doing it in a purposeful way so we're breaking down barriers that still persist in financial systems so that every consumer finds banking, insurance, trading, you name it, both accessible and also approachable. You know, I can see how the word innovation is a scary word for a lot of the career employees at the Federal Reserve. I mean, think about it. The Federal Reserve is the most fundamental uh, basic element of our nation's financial system. And because we're the world's largest economy and the dollar is the currency that is really used globally, we're at the nexus of the entire global economy. So the last thing we want to do is do anything that could create uh, interference or problems in the stability of uh, the global economy. So let's not innovate because innovation means change and change means new and new means we might make mistakes, we might break something. The notion of innovation. And that can raise a lot of fear among folks saying, oh my goodness, might we mess anything up? So what does innovation look like at the Federal Reserve? Uh, that That's a great premise, you know, and we should never forget the scale, the scope and the stability that the Federal Reserve brings, not just to U.S. financial systems, but, you know, around the world. Innovation is alive and well, and I make it very clear, innovation does not start and stop with the chief innovation officer. 
the Federal Reserve System of the United States is a compilation of 12 reserve banks and the Board of Governors in D.C. There's lots of great activity happening in advancing innovation, and I am one node in that decentralized network. We'll be back with our conversation with Sunaina Sutasia, the Chief Innovation Officer of the Federal Reserve, right after this. Stay with us. Want to invest in digital assets but find it all a bit complicated? There's actually a very easy way that you can invest in this new asset class. Simply choose the Bitwise 10 Crypto Index Fund, symbol BITW. It's the first and still the biggest crypto index fund. It owns the 10 largest digital assets and rebalances monthly, so you don't have to decide what to buy or when to rebalance. Bitwise does it all for you. At Bitwise, we want digital assets to be available to everyone, and that's why we work closely with individual investors like you, as well as financial advisors and institutions. At Bitwise, crypto is all we do. If you believe digital assets should be part of a diversified portfolio, take a look at the Bitwise Crypto 10 Index Fund, symbol BITW, available everywhere you get your investments. There are major risks to consider, including the loss of your entire investment. Before investing in crypto funds, visit bitwiseinvestments.com to learn about the risks with these investments. The Truth About Your Future is sponsored by Global X ETFs. The financial services landscape is shifting before our eyes. Whether paying for groceries, applying for a mortgage, or even buying an NFT, almost anything you could imagine is at your fingertips. As these transactions become more and more seamless, it's easy to forget the innovative technologies making it all possible. Disruptions like fintech, blockchain, and yes, digital assets aren't just pixels on a screen. They're led by forward-thinking companies helping shape the future of finance. And you might want to consider where they fit in your portfolio. But where to start? At Global X ETFs, we offer a range of thematic investing solutions targeting these financial disruptions, in addition to other exponential technologies like lithium batteries, artificial intelligence, and more. Explore our insights and full product lineup at GlobalXETFs.com or ask your financial advisor. That's GlobalXETFs.com. This is a call to the self-starters, to the self-made, and the self-sufficient. It's time to declare a new kind of independence. Because Edelman Financial Engines is here to provide tailored investment solutions for your kind of wealthy. You should expect more from your wealth advisors. Our investment management approach is based on Nobel Prize winning research. And our planners don't sell products to earn commissions. And because we're here for those who question the answers, we model more than 38,000 securities. So we can better stress test your portfolio through thousands of scenarios. So no matter where you're going next, see what we can build for you. Call 833-301-4333. That's 833-301-4333. Or visit planefe.com slash T-A-Y-F to get your complimentary financial plan. Edelman Financial Engines. Built for those who built themselves. Welcome back. We're talking about innovation at the Federal Reserve with the Chief Innovation Officer, Sunaina Tadeja. Artificial intelligence is one of the most innovative of all technologies. Is the Fed using AI in any way? And if so, how? Yeah, absolutely. You know, AI and machine learning um, have been technologies that have been deployed within the Fed before my coming in. 
you know, we're starting to um, do a lot of work around quantum. Now, quantum, if you look at the S-curve of innovation, is not ready for execution. But as leaders within the Federal Reserve System, it is something that we should be learning and exploring and understanding. And the Fed is uniquely qualified to kind of lean in and explore, experiment, or execute. Can you give me an example of how the Fed might be using artificial intelligence? The Fed employs over 5,000 technologists. We are a massive technology business. Think of all the payment rails that the Fed runs and supports every day. Behind the scenes, there are product leaders, there are technologists, there are developers, there are, you know, scrum teams that are making sure that we are building, scaling, and operating these systems with efficiency. The Federal Reserve continues to print paper. The U.S. Treasury the, uh, is continuing to print uh, all the money on paper. Well, we know it's not really paper, but close enough. And we spend a lot of money printing that paper. We spend a lot of money transferring it from bank to bank around the country. We spend a lot of money on security to safeguard all of that money. There aren't too many other businesses that are still operating in that way. We've gone digital everywhere else. And that raises the basic question, why are we not creating a digital dollar and turning money into electronic format like everything else? This is known as a central bank digital currency, CBDC. And this is a big conversation all around the world. Central banks globally are all exploring the idea of launching a digital version of their currency. A couple of them already have, as you know. So tell us uh, about the uh, U.S. Central Bank. Tell us about the Federal Reserve and its attitude about a CBDC. Are you working on one? Uh, Do you think we might eventually see one? Uh, And what are the details? You know, it is not a binary answer of should we or shouldn't we. Here's a whole list of questions that we're still grappling with. We are currently in an open comment period, and we are encouraging anybody who would like to share their perspectives because we are right now, our goal is to take in a diversity of perspectives as we interrogate these questions. So one of the things is read the paper and please, you know, join in the comment period, Google the future of money or the Federal Reserve discussion document, and it will come up. Let me ask you this. I'm going to put you on the spot and I will provide on your behalf all the disclosures that you are going to want to make sure everybody understands. That I'm going to ask Sunaina for personal conjecture that she is not speaking on behalf of the Fed and she is not outlining any official statement on behalf of the Federal Reserve. Okay, with that in mind, you ready for this, Sunaina? Bring it. (laughs) Assuming everything goes as well, as easy as it could possibly go. And the conclusion is that the Fed does want to launch a CBDC. What's the earliest that a digital dollar could actually be implemented? Oh, man. Thank you for all of those disclosure statements. I appreciate it. (laughs) This is total conjecture and assumption. I think that five-year mark seems like a logical starting point because there's so much that needs to be interrogated and it's not a unilateral decision by the Fed. I think a lot of folks would assume that this isn't something that'll happen for decades. My point is, I think we need to recognize that digital money is in our future. Yeah. I I mean, you listen, the future is very exciting. And how often do you get to think about these macro questions and uh, how to maybe shape them? 
You know, I was in around when the internet was going commercial and changed everything in the world. So I think the fact that leaders like you are obsessing about this is pretty cool. You know, you were one of the OGs in the financial planning industry that started talking about Bitcoin and crypto when it was not fashionable, right? I was taking on significant career risk where people like I got yelled out of and laughed out of plenty of board of directors and senior leader meetings trying to say, hey, there's something happening here and we need to be thinking about it and doing something with it. And I think people are starting to figure out what are those killer apps that are going to come out of this technology and ecosystem. You know, so I, I find that one of the most encouraging signals. If uh, digital money is in our future in some fashion, some form or what have you, should consumers fear that? Is that scary or is it exciting? Um, I think it's always a little bit of both with any new technology. Oftentimes when you're leading innovation, the question you get so used to getting asked is, well, what is the risk of doing this? But there's a follow-up question I always also ask, which is, what is the risk of not doing it, right? And we have to have that honest conversation, and it's our job to manage, mitigate, minimize those risks, but then we also have to talk about what is the risk if we don't drive this change, right? When the iPhone first came out, it was so we could play Candy Crush, right? Nobody (laughs) thought that this would be the device on which we would be running our personal and professional lives, and if you suggested that, people would be like, what are you talking about? So I obsess about what is the next generation of consumers? What behaviors and expectations are they growing up with? Because they're going to have needs that we have to meet if we are going to be relevant. Any business of any stripe. That is Sunaina Tutasia, the Chief Innovation Officer of the Federal Reserve, here on The Truth About Your Future. Sunaina, thanks so much for joining us on the program today. Thank you for the opportunity, Rick. If you would like to comment on the Fed's efforts to investigate a central bank digital currency, just Google the future of money and you'll be able to make your comments that the Fed staff will read. Just Google the future of money. Do you want to understand crypto, blockchain, Bitcoin, other digital assets? Join me for my new master class on crypto. It's free. Sign up now for the truth about crypto. Learn more at the truth, AYF.com. Stay with us for more here on The Truth About Your Future. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents of innovation. Ordinary people who shape the future by putting their money behind the right ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Be an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETFs' risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, carefully read and consider fund investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more than the prospectus at Invesco.com. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This message is brought to you by Charles Schwab. No matter what tomorrow brings, some things won't change. 
like Schwab's commitment to see the world through clients' eyes. That commitment is why Schwab is always here for clients with clear guidance and committed service to help maintain focus on achieving long-term goals. So whatever happens today, Schwab remains invested in you. Visit schwab.com to learn how Schwab is ready to help. You're listening to The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman, sponsored by Choice. Choice is changing the way Americans save for retirement by making it possible to invest in Bitcoin, crypto, and other alternative assets inside your IRA. That's right. Whether you open a deductible or a Roth IRA with Choice, you can invest in Bitcoin and 22 other digital assets in your retirement account. You can also buy stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, gold, real estate, and more, all in a single retirement account. There's no hidden fees or account minimums, just more control over your retirement savings. And Choice makes it ridiculously easy to combine all of your old retirement accounts with a rollover concierge service. So if you've switched jobs in the last few years and have been putting off rolling over your old 401k, make sure you check out Choice. Head on over to retirewithchoice.com slash Rick. That's retirewithchoice.com slash Rick. Welcome back. The Truth About Your Future continues. We've seen a tumultuous period over the past six, nine months, haven't we? The stock market has been dropping double digits. Uh, the bond market's falling even more. Crypto has been crashing. The one saving grace in all of this has been real estate. Real estate prices have continued to rise. They've been up double digits over the past couple of years, but it now looks like the real estate party is over, and that has a lot of folks much worried about the implication for the stock market. New home sales have been plunging. The number of homes sold in March down 17% from a year ago. April down 28%. Robert Dietz, the chief economist for the National Association of Home Builders, calls this a, quote, clear recession warning. Median sale price of houses is now $450,000. That's 20% higher than a year ago. Meanwhile, the 30-year mortgage fixed rate is over 5%. That's twice as high as a year ago. This has created an unsustainable situation, very reminiscent of 2007. We need to understand that the ability for home prices to stay where they are is all based on the ability of buyers to afford them. But think about it. If that house is now 20% more than it was a year ago, and the mortgage cost is double a year ago, you do the math and what it means is that your monthly mortgage for a home buyer today is paying 50% more per month in a monthly payment than they were paying just a year ago. Would you be able to afford a 50% increase in your mortgage payment? I don't think so. Not too many people could. And that means people who were trying to buy a home a year ago are now finding themselves outpriced. The home is now unaffordable. How do we make the home affordable? Well, it's easy. Double your income. Well, that's not going to happen. Cut the mortgage cost in half. That's not going to happen. Or lower the price of the house. And that is what is likely to occur next. We've seen a dramatic decline in the stock market, the bond market, the crypto market. The real estate market is next. 
You need to pay attention to this. If you're thinking of selling your house, get on with it and sell it before the price declines occur. And if you're thinking of buying a house, you might want to wait a little while because it's highly likely that in six months or 12 months, home prices could be dramatically lower than they are today. We're already beginning to see a big drop in mortgage demand. It's the lowest level in 22 years. The demand for refinancing is down 75%. Makes perfect sense. People refinanced when interest rates were low, and now that interest rates are rising, well, you know, people are not refinancing anymore. So we need to recognize, keep in mind, that the number one impact on the nation's economy is real estate. So goes real estate, so goes the economy. Because if people aren't buying and selling houses, it means people aren't moving. And if you're not moving, you're not buying new furniture. You're not buying new appliances and television sets. You're not hiring a new plumber or a doctor or a dentist or a barber. And as a result, you see a slowdown in the overall economy merely because you stayed put in your house. We need to recognize that real estate prices have not yet begun to come down. Many are widely expecting a crash in real estate prices, just as we've seen dramatic reductions in the stock, bond, and crypto markets. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to prepare you. If you see it coming, you can anticipate, you can protect yourself, you can adjust your portfolio, your spending, your plans accordingly. That's a whole lot better than being shocked and surprised. By the way, just to illustrate how radically different the real estate market is today than 10 years ago, let alone 100 years ago, let's look at Atlanta. Where does Atlanta's number one real estate broker live? Well, that's a kind of a silly question. The top real estate broker in Atlanta obviously lives in Atlanta. Isn't that kind of like who's buried in Grant's tomb? I mean, it's a dumb, silly question, except not really. Atlanta's number one real estate agent is A.J. Stegman, and he lives in Florida, never even set foot in Atlanta. Last year, he did 300 transactions, sold $86 million worth of real estate, and he did it all online from Florida. How could that be? He uses software to buy single-family homes for institutional investors who then rent those homes out. These institutional investors, we're talking about private equity companies, institutional investors like hedge funds and pension funds and endowments. They're buying homes by the barrel. They're not buying one house like you would. They're buying hundreds of houses, entire communities. And all they need is a software algorithm to tell them which of these houses is fairly priced that can allow them to rent them out for good rental income. This is a total change in the way real estate has traditionally been done. In fact, so much so that many cities are now banning institutional purchases of real estate because it's pricing out of the market local homeowner wannabes who now find themselves renting houses they otherwise would have preferred to have bought. But because these institutional investors have so much money at their disposal, they're scarfing up entire communities, raising prices along the way. This is a huge change, and it is partly demonstrating why the real estate market is where it is. What happens when those institutional investors decide to stop buying? The lack of demand will only cause the supply to fall 
in price. Looking for a financial advisor who can help you with digital assets? Go to the advisor directory at thetruthayf.com. It's a free service. They have the knowledge they need so they can give you the advice you need about this new asset class. Find an advisor at thetruthayf.com. One of the things you got to pay attention to most about your future is that it isn't going to be the same as your present. At some point, you're going to retire. Then what? This is amazing. We spend so much energy, effort, resources, time to helping babies and young children figure out their future. Look at all the time and effort parents spend on getting kids into school, preparing them for careers. Make sure you get good grades so you can get into a good college. Make sure you choose the right college. Make sure you choose a good degree field. And then we enter that field. We spend 40 years working and here we are. Now what? Too often, people don't spend any thought at all about life post-career. And so I'm really happy to provide you with a great case study Someone who's doing it really, really well, figured it all out, and a good friend of mine as well. Beth London, welcome to the program. How are you, Beth? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Rick. Beth is a financial planner with Edelman Financial Engines, uh, been with the firm for a long time, and now getting ready to retire and embark on your next chapter in your life, right? Right, and very excited, hoping it's going to be the best chapter. So let's talk about this transition. You haven't yet left Edelman Financial Engines. You'll be doing that toward the end of this year. And you've been a financial planner for how many years? 30 years? Yeah, over 30 years. With more than a decade at Edelman Financial, where, of course, you and I worked together very closely for a long time. And talk about your thought process of, you know, gee, at one point, I'm going to stop being a financial planner. Just talk about when you began thinking about that and how that all came about. Yeah, I think I always had in the back of my mind that retirement was not going to be just sitting on a beach in Florida. I wanted more. And I still do love what I do. But you had mentioned at one point, you want to position yourself where work is optional, that if an opportunity comes up or your life circumstances change, you want to be prepared to move with it. So I took that to heart a long time ago and just kind of followed through on that thought process. And I always loved real estate, loved design, and had an opportunity to get involved. So everything just kind of fell in place. To be perfectly honest, thanks to you and Jean, you had always instilled be prepared for the future. And Jean had always instilled follow your heart, listen to your intuition, and kind of let that be the guiding force. So yeah, it all came together and I'm very excited. So talk about staging. You're talking about uh, helping people sell their residential real estate. It's very similar to financial planning, and it's helping people get the opportunity to get a higher return on their investment. And so it's a matter of positioning the property, turning it from a house to a home, which just like financial planning, it's extremely sensitive. You're dealing with people that have their family portraits on the wall that they can't envision taking down. But you're also on the flip side, want the buyer to see it as their home, their opportunity for a future. So it's kind of transitioning the house so that it's more marketable, it's more desirable. It involves painting, light fixtures, rearranging furniture, in many, many cases, decluttering, and just redesigning the house. 
So I'm assuming that starting this as a brand new business, you've got the expenses associated with doing that. You're not going to have the income immediately that, or even ever, that you had as a financial planner. Tell me how that factored into your thought process. I did it over time. It didn't happen overnight. So it was kind of a process. And my intention is not to do this full time, looking to do it on a more flexible schedule. So I do have more time for other interests that I'm looking to pursue in retirement. So the key here is not to try to suggest that you ought to quit your career and become a home stager. That's not really the point. The point here that I hope you're getting from this conversation with Beth London is the transition, beginning with an acknowledgement that I'm not going to do what I'm doing forever that there are passions that I have in life or that I want to discover in life and that I might be able to turn them into an income-producing activity. And that means thinking about it, engaging in it slowly, casually, learn more. You began by getting a very extensive education, self-study online, going to conferences, mingling with people in the business, learning from experts in the business, and over what has been so far a four-year journey, beginning to implement the transition from your current career of the past 30 years to the next chapter in life, which is going to be part-time, not as lucrative, but with your personal financial planning. It doesn't need to be as economically rewarding as your prior career was, but it's enough to sustain you, to support yourself, allowing you to focus on your passion and just frankly, have a great time. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to it. So what is the advice you would give to others who are themselves five or 10 years away from retirement? I actually talked to a number of my planning clients and we have these discussions all the time. And many people feel the same way. They want to do something. They want to be productive, but they don't want the same schedule. And it's just following your heart, finding things that you truly are interested in. I think it's important in retirement to have fun. If people find things they're truly passionate about, it won't feel like work. You did a show on once you find that thing you want to do in retirement, you can't wait to go to get there and do it. And when I heard that, I said, yeah, that's how I feel. So if you find something you love, it just happens. And I think when you do the right thing, you find something you love and you follow your heart, the money comes. You know, the real key is to have your situation so that instead of going from, it's coming to. And you've expressed that perfectly, not at all a surprise because you are such a talented financial planner, and I know that your future is going to be bright. Beth, a lot of folks are going to follow in your footsteps with the advice you've shared with us today. Thanks so much for doing that. That's Beth London, who's a financial planner with Edelman Financial Engines. You can reach Beth or her colleagues at Edelman Financial. Just go to edelmanfinancialengines.com. If somebody wants to reach you, Beth, and talk to you about your staging business, where would they find you? You can go to my website, actually, www.stagedcelldwell.com. Definitely let me know because I have contacts and connections all over and happy to connect you with someone more locally. www.stagedcelldwell.com. Beth, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Rick. It's great to see you and great to be here. Stay with us for more here on The Truth About Your Future.
Allow us to introduce you to Jeremiah, an ordinary person who helped shape the future by putting his money behind the right ideas. Jeremiah's always been a numbers guy, from his days competing in the high school math league to now as the teacher who leads it. Jeremiah is also accessing the companies who are driving environmental innovations for the next generation by investing in Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100, which goes to show you don't have to be a helioseismologist to help push progress forward. Become an agent of innovation. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETFs' risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus with this information. Read it carefully before investing. Meet Schwab Intelligent Income, a simple modern way to pay yourself from your portfolio. Overcome the complexity of income needs in retirement with automated tax smart withdrawals that you can start, stop, or adjust at any time without penalty. Plus, ongoing monitoring, so you'll always know where you stand. And since lower fees means more money for you to invest, you pay no advisory fee. Available with Schwab Intelligent Portfolios. Visit schwab.com slash intelligent income. A modern approach to wealth management. Want to invest in digital assets but find it all a bit complicated? There's actually a very easy way that you can invest in this new asset class. Simply choose the Bitwise 10 Crypto Index Fund, symbol BITW. It's the first and still the biggest crypto index fund. It owns the 10 largest digital assets and rebalances monthly, so you don't have to decide what to buy or when to rebalance. Bitwise does it all for you. At Bitwise, we want digital assets to be available to everyone, and that's why we work closely with individual investors like you, as well as financial advisors and institutions. At Bitwise, crypto is all we do. If you believe digital assets should be part of a diversified portfolio, take a look at the Bitwise Crypto 10 Index Fund, symbol BITW, available everywhere you get your investments. There are major risks to consider, including the loss of your entire investment. Before investing in crypto funds, visit bitwiseinvestments.com to learn about the risks with these investments. Thanks for being with me here on The Truth About Your Future. Rick Edelman here. Time now for everybody's favorite segment of the program, Visit by My Wife, Jean Edelman. Jean is a student of the healing arts, Reiki, traditional Chinese medicine, homeopathy, acupuncture, and of course, macrobiotic and plant-based cooking. Here's Jean. Great to be with you. Today, I wanted to talk about life's purpose. I, over the past month, have probably read about six books that the same theme keeps coming up. And so because of this journey that we are on together... I wanted to share some of the highlights with you. And it is a journey, and we're not meant to get it right all the time. As long as we're moving in the right direction, it's all good. And so the first tip that I wanted to share that's a theme in all of my reading is taking back our power. Stop letting others decide for us. We intuitively know what we need and what we want. And I think life's journey is about learning to find our voice and to communicate that in a productive way. Very important. Two, forgiving ourselves and forgiving others. 
I think we are so hard on ourselves. We'll make a mistake and we relive it a million times. As I've shared before, it's time to let that go. Learn from it, improve, and move on. And don't hold on to it. And then as far as forgiving others, that is so healthy. Because it takes too much energy to hold on to that. So let it go. The third one is to be more self-aware. When we're authentic, when we are our true selves, we shine and others love to be around us. Fourth is to learn to say no and to mean it. I think a lot of times obligations come up and we feel like we have to say yes. But if it doesn't resonate, if it's not something that's important to us, we should say no. And we also need to say yes when we mean it. When we want to engage in something, when something is really going to bring us some joy. The fifth is to let go of relationships that don't support us. Life is about change. We are not the same person we were in our 20s and 30s. And as we change, the people in our lives will change. And so it is healthy and it's okay to let some of those relationships go. The sixth is to walk away from negativity and abusive situations. We need to love ourselves enough to know when enough is enough and to choose a different path. Seven is to experience joy. When we put our feet on the ground every morning, let's set the attention that we are going to look for joy and find joy and have joy in our life every day and have the courage to make those changes. Eight, I think this is a big one. Allow others the freedom to be themselves. We're not the boss. We're only the boss of us. It takes too much energy to try to change others into what we think they should be. It's so healthy to stop judging and projecting ourselves onto others. That takes too much energy. Just stay in our own bubble. We know ourselves. We intuitively know ourselves. Just be who we are and how we need to be. Nine is to develop and express kindness and compassion and put ourselves in other shoes. Having that perspective is just naturally our hearts will open up to everyone. 10 is wabi-sabi. Wabi-sabi is a Japanese philosophy. It basically means nothing is meant to be perfect, complete, or forever. 11 is it's okay to be selfish and have self-care. We come first. We've got to take care of ourselves. 12 is we're a work in progress. We're doing the best we can do. Just lighten up. Put a smile on our face. Let it float by. It's all eventually going to work out. And so my word of the week is journey. The J is for joy. Joy in the fact that we get to start over each minute, each hour, each day. We get a new outlook on life. The O is to be open-minded. Willingness to try new things. It's when we get bogged down and so locked in that the world doesn't seem kind, wonderful, and exciting. But when we're open-minded and open-hearted, anything is possible. The U is for unafraid. No fear. 
hey, we're in the driver's seat. Never apologize. This is our life. This is how we want it to be. The R is for real, the true and authentic. That is when we are aligned and we flow and life is easier. The N is for natural, tuning into our instincts, tuning into our intuition. They'll never lead us down the wrong path. The E is for ease. If it's difficult, if we find difficulty in what it is we're trying to do, stop. Find an easier way because then that's the path we're supposed to take. And Y is for yes. Look for the opportunities. Look for the change. Look for the best aspect of ourselves. Have a great week, everyone. If you're enjoying Jean's words of the week, you can get a list of them and all of her segments at thetruthayf.com. This is a call to the self-starters, to the self-made, and the self-sufficient. It's time to declare a new kind of independence, because Edelman Financial Engines is here to provide tailored investment solutions for your kind of wealthy. You should expect more from your wealth advisors. Our investment management approach is based on Nobel Prize-winning research, and our planners don't sell products to earn commissions. And because we're here for those who question the answers, we model more than 38,000 securities, so we can better stress test your portfolio through thousands of scenarios. So no matter where you're going next, see what we can build for you. Call 833-301-4333. That's 833-301-4333. Or visit planefe.com slash T-A-Y-F to get your complimentary financial plan. Edelman Financial Engines, built for those who built themselves. The Truth About Your Future is sponsored by Global X ETFs. Listeners to this show tune in every week to hear Rick Edelman and his guests talk about the personal finance topics that matter most. And if you're retired, or soon will be, you're no doubt listening for Rick's thoughts on retirement security and longevity. At Global X ETFs, we understand you may also be interested in opportunities to generate income, with interest rates still near historic lows despite an inflationary environment. Our approach to this challenge looks beyond what you might have considered using asset classes that include MLPs, REITs, preferreds, and dividend-paying stocks. We have been managing these types of income-oriented strategies for more than a decade, with solutions suited to a range of portfolio objectives. Explore our full range of ETFs, research and insights, and more at GlobalXETFs.com, or speak with your financial advisor to learn more. Well, that's all the time we've got on The Truth About Your Future this weekend. Remember, sign up for my new master classes, The Truth About Crypto. It'll teach you in under two hours everything you've always wondered about what is blockchain and digital assets. It's free, available to you anytime at thetruthayf.com. See you next week. Bye-bye. 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 I'm sorry, what? What part didn't you understand? The buh or the bye? Bye-bye. The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman has been brought to you by Bitwise, the world's largest crypto index fund manager. 
As crypto grows, Bitwise believes everyone should have a simple and familiar way to access it. Bitwise makes crypto clear. Bitwiseinvestments.com and by Global X ETFs. For more than a decade, Global X ETFs has been dedicated to providing investors with unexplored and intelligent solutions. Learn more at globalxetfs.com and by Invesco QQQ, a fund that allows you to access the innovators of the Nasdaq 100. Invesco.com/qqq. Stay tuned for Everyday Wealth with Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky from Edelman Financial Engines. EverydayWealth.com backslash radio. EFE and the truth about your future with Rick Edelman are unaffiliated entities. Get the truth about your future every weekend with Rick Edelman. It's the truth, AYF.com. <laughs> 